Now, if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn to Genesis chapter 22. Put your finger there. I'm not going to read the entire chapter, but I will read part and portion of the chapter uh, of Genesis 22 when I bring to you the three points I have in regards to this message, going and growing. That's our theme for 2019 and probably 2020. And the theme is going and growing. Scripture verses we have chosen are from Matthew chapter 19, uh, chapter 28 and verse 19 and 20, and Colossians 1 verse 9 to 10. Uh, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna read that or reference that in any way, but just to say that this is our theme for the year and this would be the scripture references. And also sometime uh, when I preach later on, I will address our theme. But just for this morning, uh, to set the pace and, uh, and the platform uh, of this team going and growing, I want to bring this message across to you in regards to uh, going and growing from the passage in Genesis chapter 22, which is the testing of Abraham's faith, whereby God spoke to Abraham and said, Abraham, take your son, your only son whom you love, and go and sacrifice him on a mountain that I will show you. Now, for introduction, let me say this to you, that the sacrifice, the call of God to Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac uh, only appears once in the Bible. Simply meaning, it's not a precedence, neither is it something which God will call you or me to do it again. As far as not just giving our children or our loved ones over uh, to the purposes of, God, purposes of God, but actually sacrificing and killing them. No. Uh, I've read enough in the newspaper and, and, and uh, in the news that uh, I, I've heard of stories, horror stories, where people go on a killing rampage, you know, uh, whether it's sh uh, open fire and, and, and uh, shoot uh, school children in schools or, or kill an entire family, and then when they ask you know, as to why they did it, you know, they said what? God told me so, right? And that's ridiculous. You see, God never asked. The only time, only once and only, there's so many things that God does only one time. Only once, you know, did God ask the children of Israel to march around a city called Jericho every day, one day, for six days, march around it one time, and on the seventh day, march around the Jericho, walls of Jericho seven times, making a total of 13 times in seven days, and having marched around 13 times in seven days, at the last 13 times when they finished marching around, they had to give a loud shout, and then the walls will come tumbling down. And as you look at the conquest of Canaan in the Exodus journey and Exodus story, uh, the narrative, you find that there's only once God told them to take a city that way. Only once did Jesus spit onto the ground and made some mud and placed it upon the eyes of a blind man and says, go and wash in the pool of Siloam and you shall be healed. Only once did God do that. And there's so many things that even here, only once did God ask a man to go and sacrifice his son. So if you are hearing something, the saying God, uh, you are hearing his voices you know, and saying go kill somebody or take your family, that is not God. And if you're hearing those kind of voices, you need help. Talk to somebody about it. You know, you need help. That's not natural. That's not of God. Also here, you'll find that, that, that when God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son, Isaac, it was not a a temptation, but a test. 
Because the Bible says in chapter 22, verse 1, sometime later, God said to Abraham, God tested Abraham, and the test was to take his son and go sacrifice his son at Mount Moriah. What's the difference between a test and a temptation? This is it. See, temptation, the source is Satan. It can also be yourself because James says, you know, when we are tempted, don't say that God tempted us because God cannot be tempted. Neither does he tempt anybody. But we are tempted when we are drawn away by our own lust and desires. That's what the book of James says. And so it could be, the source could be Satan or ourselves. The motive is to destroy. The outcome is to shame and bring the worst out of us. Don't you forget that. You know, every time you are tempted and, and temptation, when we give into temptation, why do people give into temptation? Because they seem to think that the reward is so great, the lure is so strong, the kickbacks, you know, are so wonderful, but they don't see the aftermath of it. It is to shame and to bring the worst out of us. Now, in testing, the source is God, or it could be the teacher who gives you a test or your coach. The motive is to build. The outcome is to shape, not shame, and to bring the best out of us. Are you following me? Following me? So there's a difference between testing and temptation. Every time when you face something, you're not sure it's a test or a temptation, think of this, you know, and it will help you. Understand whether it's a test or a temptation. In this case, it was a test. Now, in going and growing, I'm going to leave with you three things this morning. One is we go by letting go. How do we go? If our team is going, how can we go? What must we do in order to go? In order to go, we go by letting go. <laughs> the Bible says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he says, Here I am. Verse 2 says, Then God said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell you about. Not just that all that God said to him, just go, go to this region of Moriah, in one of the mountains, I will show you. And God sometimes leads us one step at a time. We just follow one step at a time. Now, early the next morning, Abraham got up, said that his donkey took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. Now, when he cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. Where God spoke to Abraham, it was called this place Beersheba. Where God was asking Abraham to go was in this mountain re mountainous region called Moriah. And in order for Abraham to go to Moriah, he has to let go of Beersheba. He has to let go and leave this place in order for him to go to that place that God has caught him. And the principle in life is always this. The principle of life in, as we live our lives, regardless whether it is as a student or as a, as a working adult or as a parent, you know, the, the idea is this, is that letting go is a principle in life. Even when before we are born, for a baby to be birthed into this world, he must or she must let go of the securities of the mother's womb 
to be birthed into this world. And then as children grows up, you know, uh, we have to let go. As we grow, we have to let go of our parents to attend daycare and kindergarten. It's traumatic, isn't it? Have you seen those of you who are parents the first day when you send your children to daycare or kindergarten? Most of the time, they yell and cry their heads out. And some of us parents know, we stay them, stay with them throughout the day for the first week. Some I know stay throughout the whole year. You know, the whole idea of the principle in life is letting go. Letting go to go to school, letting go of our school friends, our hometown, to go somewhere else, to KL somewhere else, or Timbuktu, I don't know, to study. The idea is to letting go. Letting go of our families in order to get married. Therefore, shall man leave father and mother and cleave to his wife. You know, conversely, that's also true. Parents need to let go of our children when they get married. Let them start their own family. Don't try to mother your son and your daughter-in-law at the same time. Let them go. Be their own self. Let them find their own identity. Guide them, yes, but let them go. You know, for those of us who are planning to get married, you need to let go of your ex-boyfriends and girlfriends. You know or not? Once there was this bridegroom who kept his bride waiting for a long time and he arrived late for his wedding. Usually it's the bride that arrives late. For whatever reason, I do not know why, on purpose or what. Strange cultures we have, right? You get a wedding invite card and it says, wedding dinner. And you notice what? 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. And the next word is what? Sharp. Don't believe that. Especially Chinese dinners. You know, sharp means one hour later. All right? And it's even so true. Why do brides wait for the bridegroom? But in this case, you know, uh, why do bridegroom wait for their bride? And in this case, no, the bride was there already. The bridegroom take a long time to come. And when he finally arrives, he arrives not in an ambulance. He arrives in a fire engine. And when he got down from the fire engine, he apologized to a crowd, to his wife, and says, I'm so sorry, I'm late. And the reason why I came in a fire engine because on my way to my wedding, I had to put out some old flames. <laughs> See, friends, it's letting go. In order to get married, we need to let go. Let go of our selfishness, individualism. If you ever want to, to be successful in your marriage, you know, so much I sometimes in our marriages. And the older I get, you know, I, I wish I could have started, you know, this, this is my second chance in life, so to speak, remarried. And I think I'm doing things so differently. If only I knew all of this, you know, Pastor Ali wouldn't have such a hard time. It's just that we grow. Things that matter to me now didn't matter, uh, that matters uh, then didn't matter now as much. And we learn to grow, we learn to grow up, we grow. It's just letting go of individualism and, and also selfishness. Sometimes letting go of our past. See, so often we hold on to the things that does not matter. Sometimes it can be past failures, it can also be past successes. Past failures holds us back. Someone says that we embrace the past with both arms, that there's no more hands to take hold of the future. And must learn to let go of the past, things 
that are not good. Sometimes we learn to let go of the successes. Don't rest on our laurels. Whether it is in life or in ministry, you know, I used to be. The question is, what am I doing now? You know, it's not what I used to be. But what are you doing now? What are we doing now? That's an important question. Are we still as on and as far and fire for God? You know, successes, just learn. Just learning to let go of the things that are dear to us, precious to us, and especially things that holds us back. Not everything that holds us back may be bad. When God called Abraham to offer up Isaac, to sacrifice Isaac, to give up Isaac, Isaac wasn't bad. Isaac's name simply means laughter. He brought so much joy to this family. Sometimes it's the good things in life that God asks us to let go. Sometimes the good things in life that holds us back. I got a handkerchief with me. Rest assured, I'm not a musician nor a magician. So there's no magic show here. Okay. Got this ironed out very nicely. And I tell you this, that this handkerchief may represent some of your lives or all of our lives. This handkerchief, some parts of this handkerchief will represent some areas of our lives. What we need to do, whatever it is that God has given us, we must learn to hold on lightly, not hardly, but lightly to material things. And when God begins to tuck at the corner of our lives, we learn to let go and let God. In order to go, we need to learn to let go. Let go. Hold lightly to material things. Let go. See, so often, we hang on to the things that are dear to us. So that when God begins to speak to us, you know, He tuck on this corner of our lives and this may represent maybe, you know, your career. And God is saying, I want you to give up your career and I want you to serve me full time. Maybe in social works. Maybe going to Bible school. Maybe starting something. You know, you have earned enough money. Some of you got money that lasts you a few lifetimes. That's true. I know some of you like that. You want me to call you by name? I won't. <laughs> God tuck at this corner of your heart and he says, God, no, 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 this is too important to me. You grab hold of it. You pull back. God says, what about this one? You're dating a non-Christian, a non-Christian boyfriend or a girlfriend, and you know, you know you're not supposed to be unequally yoked. But you say, you know, all the boys in my church, <sighs> no hope. This one outside there, wow, he's tall, handsome, and good-mannered, not like the ones in our church. Take us for granted. And she said, no, God. Or you say, God, she is not tall, dark and handsome, but she is short, fair, and beautiful. <laughs> Cannot God. 
and God tug at this area of your life, whatever area it is, and we hang on, you know, to life and to things that are so dear to us. Thinking that in hanging on, we will have. Not realizing that in hanging on, we destroy the very things you know, that God asks us to give up. Sometimes it's good things for the better. It was a beautiful, well-ironed handkerchief. It's like this. Sometimes we hold on so tightly to it, you know, and when God begins to pull, we have a tug of war and we pull. You know? And that's gone too. We destroy the very life, very life, the very things, you know, when we begin to fight God. That's why when God echoed from heaven to the Apostle Paul, who was Saul of Tarsus then, God says, Saul, Saul, why are you fighting me? And then Saul looked up and says, who are you, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. You know, you will never win. You only hurt yourself when you kick against a stone. You know, you only hurt yourself when we fight God. Learn to let go. You know, we go by letting go. This year, one of the greatest, we just celebrated a new year. We have just been ushered in and crossed over into a new year from an old year. And one of those New Year's celebrations all around the world, one of the highlights of one of the cities that's always celebrated is that of Sydney in Australia. The reason why you know, Sydney and Australia is because uh, they are on the eastern side of the globe as compared to the western counterparts. And Sydney being you know, uh, two or three hours, depending on which time of year for us, I think right now it's two hours ahead of us, and sometimes 10 or more hours ahead of the western counterparts. And so there are a lot of people all over the world, their eyes are fixed on this New Year's Eve celebration in Sydney around the Darling Harbour area and beyond. And this year, 1.5 million Australians gathered around the harbour area and they, they were treated to a 12-minute uh, 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 pyrotechnics fireworks. Uh, it cost thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars for one minute. 12 minutes symbolising 12 months in the, in, the, in the past year. And then at the countdown, they had lights, they had everything, you know, the pylon of the bridge were all lighted up, you know, just like a big screen TV. And then when it came down to 10, 9, 8, and then finally 1, Happy New Year, everybody shouted. But on the pylon of the bridge, you know, there was a projection, Happy New Year, 2018. <laughs> it was a boo-boo, a big failure. It takes 15 months. Already, if you Google right now and look at Sydney's uh, New Year's Eve celebration, 2019-2020, they have started preparing. It takes 15 months to put not just a fireworks display, but the entire program together, 15 months. And millions of dollars. And 1.5 billion uh, a million people gathered there, and 1 billion plus viewers all over the world. Happy New Year, 2018. You know, whoever made the glitch, whoever made the mistake, you know, I can't imagine how he felt. You know, but I like what Anne McInerney uh, said this, who the, the executive fireworks producer said, obviously we weren't happy about it. But look, you move on. You just get back, 
doing the show. Wow. That was, you know, we have our failures. Who does not have failures that haunt us? But we learn to let go. In order to go, we must learn to let go. And then, you know, we go by letting God take his rightful place. Genesis 22, verse 4 to 8. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. For what? He says, we'll go over there to worship and then we'll come back to you. And Abraham took the wood for a burnt offering, placed it with his son Isaac. And Isaac could be probably a teenager or a little bit more than that by now. And he himself, Abraham himself, carried what? The fire and the knife. That's wisdom. Wisdom comes with age. And Abraham didn't give Isaac the, the knife. Not, you no, know, he would have sacrificed his father. You know, wisdom comes with age. But some people said, why let the poor boy carry the wood? Because it's the passion of the young. He got so much energy. But at the same time, let me ask you, that's the challenge of leadership. And that's why I said, appreciate your leaders, because leadership is never easy. Ask any of these leaders that stood before us if they had a crying moment in their life. Ask them if they have sleepless nights. Ask them if they have been heard by callous words. Say, you ask them. And they'll probably say yes, yes, and yes. And that's the burden of leadership. Holding that knife is painful. You see, we grow by letting go. Parents, parents, uh, 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 um, Beauty in response, I can't think of a better word, is that to protect the children. When they grow, when they are growing up as a baby burnt in this world, we protect, protect them from all kinds of dangers, from mosquitoes, from this, from that, you know, from noises, from, you know. And then when they, are, they, when, when they start, you know, uh, going to school, we, we, you know, and then we, we said, we hold their hands as they're growing up, you know, hold my hand and I'll lead you, we guide them, you know, through the crowd, across the roads. And then when they grow a little bigger, we say, come back early. You know, we worry for them. When my son was in college, in university, I know that he is hanging out with church people, church friends, but I will never be able to go to sleep until I hear his car come in, the door open, I know his back, and then I go to sleep. Regardless. And young people understand the heart of your parents. You know, Understand, I used to say that grandchildren are nature's way of punishing our children. Wait till you get your own children, then you know. I'm just teasing, okay? Now, and that's it. Hold our hands. Then when they start driving, we say, be careful. Be careful. Can you imagine? The Bible says, next morning, Abraham woke up, cut enough wood. He must have got up very early. Settled the donkey took the fire, took the knife, took the donkey, took the two servants, took the son Isaac. Just before the, the dawn broke, throughout the night, he would have sleepless night. Couldn't sleep. 
parents' intuition is to protect. And so when Isaac said, Father, the wood, the fire, the knife, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham's answer was, God will provide. Now when Abraham uttered that, it is my belief and also your belief, you read the scriptures carefully, that Abraham didn't know that God would have provided a sacrifice in the, in, in, in the, in, in, in the quote-unquote person or persona of a ram caught by the ticker of his horn. If, God, if Abraham knew that, it wouldn't be a test at all. It was a test. And all Abraham knew was there was this goodness of God that God would never ask us anything to know of us or do anything that would bring a destruction to our life because God is a good God. And you must understand that. He's a good God. You know? And all Abraham knows is that he's a good God and all he says, God will provide. See, it's letting God. Let that be his worry. If I were to answer the call of God, if I were to do this, if I were to give up this, if I were to, you know, listen to the voice of God, then you think of all the repercussions and the consequences that will play out. And you say, cannot. I don't know how. That's not your worry. That's God's quote-unquote worry and doesn't have any worry. Let it be His worry. All you can say is, God will provide. He will provide in his time, provide in his way, provide in the best he knows how. And he sees the end from the beginning. So let God be God. By letting God be God. We go by letting God. No, we go by letting God. Letting God have his own way, letting God have his rightful place, letting God provide. And the word worship is, Abraham says, to the servants, you two stay here. I and my son are going over there. He says what? To worship. So worship equals sacrifice. See, the word worship comes from an old English word called worthship. Simply meaning giving God his worth. Worthy is God. So in true worship, it's more than uttering the lyrics of a song or in sing with the melody of a chorus. It is aligning our lives to that of what worship is, you know, the call of God and the things of, that God is calling us to do, going where God calls to go. go. That song that Seven sang just now with a group, no, I want to be, I want to go, I want to be, you know. I got this funny feeling that yeah, when God created the world, some of us, you know, you, you took more than enough gifts that you should have, you know, and you left us with very little gifts, you know. I'm just joking, of course. And I think Selvin, uh, especially in the first service when he sang the song, if you close your eyes, you think probably it's a black guy standing before us. He took somebody else's voice, I think. You know, but it's just letting go. Letting God have His way in our hearts and in our lives, you know, because He is worthy. 
This is a principle in life, a real powerful principle in life you know, to allow God to have His way, to allow God to have His way. Now, number three, last but not least, I know my time is up. We grow as we go. We grow as we go. Verse 9 to 14, when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar, uh, altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand, took the knife to slay his son, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God because you have not beheld your son, uh, not beheld me from me, your son, your only son. And Abram looked up, and there in the ticket he saw a ram caught by his horns. He went over, took the ram, sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead or in place of his son Isaac. So Abram caught the place the Lord will provide, and to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. You see, we grow as we go. Children grow as they go to school. Teens grow as they leave home, go to college. Young adults grow as they go work and fend for themselves. People grow when they get married, and especially when they have children. You know, we grow as we venture into new things. And that's it. You know, don't be afraid. May this year be a year where we say, God, this team going and growing. I'm going to believe you that you're going to grow my faith, you're going to grow my skills, you're going to grow my talents, you're going to grow me in you. And Lord, the only way I can grow is when I go. You see, there's nobody who's ready for a job. If someone, if your company is giving you, you know, a, a raise and a promotion and you're not sure, you know, whether you can do it or not, but you need to search your hearts and your motives and you must ask yourself deep within you, you know, do you want this position because of the name or the money? If that is your priority, number one, and that's your main motive, then probably you might not want, you might not want to take the job. But if you are just wanting to do something and you're not sure, but you're saying, God, thank you for this opportunity. You have favored me. I never expected, no. But I'm not sure if I can do this or not. Trust God. Trust God. Nobody is ready, really. We can prepare the next rung of leadership. We can prepare, but actually, when the time comes, you know, somebody step in and step up. And, in, and then we, we, we grow into our roles and our positions. Are you following me? There's always a principle of life. You no, know, we grow and we go. And so there's no holding back this year in terms of your career, you know, in terms of your ministry, in terms of your involvement in church, in, ten, in terms of what God is wanting to do in and through your lives. No, we grow as we go. Stand with me, won't you? And as you stand... As we are prepared to sing, I want to direct your attention to this name, Jehovah Jireh. It is when Abraham saw a ram as he was about to plunge the knife into his son, God called up from heaven and said to him, Abraham, Abraham. And 
stopped. And then God directed his attention to a ram caught in the thicket of his horn or the bush. And God says, take that ram and offer it in place of your son, Isaac. You see, sometimes God is not interested in our sacrifices. All he's interested is in our obedience. Would you obey God? And then when finally everything was over, Abraham says, this mountain is on the mountain of the Lord. He will provide. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And the word provide comes, our English word, comes from this Latin word, V-I-D-E. From which we get our word V-I-D-E-O Video It means to see And the thing with God Is that He not only see He sees ahead So before Anything happens And as we stand on this threshold Of a new year In our first service God sees the last day Of the new year He sees everything That we will go through some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we will trust in the name of our Lord. And one of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. He sees the hate. And so friends, will you surrender? Will you surrender your life to God and just give Him praise this morning?